Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Perfect. Well, thank you, Emily, for such a kind... Okay, now I feel guilty. The pregnant lady just brought my table. Please never do that again. That is, am I even a pastor? That is, that is bad. Everybody just pretend you didn't see that. Dear Jesus, forgive me. Brett, please don't beat me up. Emily, also forgive me. And uh, wow, I am going straight to hell. That is the worst. Just, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. Don't panic. Good Lord. Uh, well, welcome to church. We're glad to have you here. You know, um, Pastor Andy last week did such a, such a great job um, with us. And uh, it was actually so good that he, he spoke the sermon. He spoke the same sermon at night that he did in the morning. So I went to the 6 because I heard such good feedback about his message last week. And uh, it was great. This week, what we're doing now is we're stepping into the, the latter part of our Family Vibes series. And in this particular series, again, what we're doing as a little review is we're, we're going through our, our, our values, kind of what we would call our pillars as a church. Um, it's really useful if today's your first Sunday with us. Um, if you haven't been to here before, this is helpful. This is a little bit about who we are. This is our family vibe. We want to let you in on, on, on who we are. Um, our pillars, of course, if you may or may, or may not know, um, it's we, we believe here at Coastline that we want everybody to know God. That's the goal. Um, secondarily, we want people to find freedom. We want you to know God, find freedom. So not just come to church and pretend to be a Christian. We want you to come to church and experience what it means to be um, uh, a new creation in Christ, right? Uh, we want people to discover their purpose, um, figure out who they are. Why are, they, why are you wired the way you are? Why do you think the way you think? What's that all about? And then finally, it's, it's make a difference, we believe here at Coastline Church that we exist to help people make a difference. But beyond that, bigger than that, greater than that, what I want to speak on today, because more important than you making a difference for God is actually God making a difference in you. To become truly Christian means to become truly different. We don't just go and make a difference. But as Christians, what we do is we recognize that God made a difference in us. And when you live your life as a Christian, it's actually supposed to be noticeable by people. Like, like I say this often, but it's important that we get this into our, into our spirit. Uh, there, there's no such thing as kind of, sort of, slightly Christian-ish. Right? I'm kind of Christian. I go to, I go to church on, on, on Christmas and Easter. I, I'm, I'm what you call a CE Christian. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of Christian. Um, I, I, I pray when bad things happen. I'm kind of a Christian, right? I pray when I want to win the lottery. I'm kind of a Christian, right? But, but, but there's no actually, it doesn't, doesn't really work like that. See, when you live your life as a Christian, it's supposed to be noticeable, but not just noticeable to others. It's actually supposed to be noticeable to you. Like your Christian faith is actually about way more, way more than just coming to church. It's about so much more than just volunteerism or, or, or sharing a prayer here or there or, or even reading this book. At the end of the day, Christianity is not just supposed to be noticeable by others, 
but it's supposed to be felt and noticeable by you. So if you call yourself a Christian and you can't really notice any difference between the way you live your life in here and the way you live your life out there, I'm not pointing fingers, but I just want to encourage you to ask some deeper questions. Because it's entirely possible that you've become okay with just scratching the surface. And, and, and you could, it's entirely possible that you can be missing out on like, the best aspects of what it means to be a Christ follower. The life-changing stuff, the transformational type stuff. To become a true Christian means that you should notice the changes and other people should notice the changes as well. And so this Thanksgiving, I like the fact that we get together because there's something that we can be very thankful for. You see, and it's this. We may not be the person right now that we thought we would be. If I look back and I can picture what I imagined the almost 40 version of Adam to look like, and I can tell you right now, I drove a sweet truck. And I don't. I drive a Dodge Caravan. <laughs> it's very different. And I may not be the person I thought I would be. But man, thank God I'm not the person I could have been were it not for the grace of Jesus. God changes us. God makes us different. To be a Christian actually means to be made new. So what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3. And, and this is what we, the text that we've been using as we walk through this Family Vibe series, the book of Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 3, we get this picture of what it means to, to live this new kind of life. And for some of us in this room, this is going to be reveal. And for some of us in this room, this is going to be new news. And for some of us in this room, this is going to be old news made new. <laughs> Either way, as your, as your pastor, this, this word has weighed heavy on my heart all week. Because God, because God changed God changed lives in the Bible. And God can still change lives now. And if you're living in this tension where you're saying to yourself, God, do you even care? Like, are, are you even paying attention? My answer for you is yes, he does. Yes, he is. And yes, he wants to move. So as we go into the word, let us pray together. Jesus, we thank you just as we did earlier. We thank you that you're real. But my prayer this morning, God, is that you would open our eyes to your scriptures. Give us ears to hear what you're saying this morning. God, may we leave here different than the way that we came in. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Emily, there's cake. There's pie after the service, which is great. Um, so you can look forward to that. And I have, I'm a, I have it on good authority. I have heard that calories don't count at church. And so, so you're welcome. You can have pie and then go home and have more pie. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They may not count in church, but they still do what they do. So <laughs> it is what it is. So what is a life changed by God supposed to actually look like? That is a actual, that is a very profound question. What is a life that is changed by God supposed to look like? How does God actually make us different when we become a Christian? 
the first thing I want to highlight is this. Your outlook and your perspective become different. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1 says these words. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Oh, it's even up there, so you know I'm not making this up. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. When you become a Christian, your outlook and your perspective become different. I meant to grab a bottle of water. Does anybody have water or a cup of coffee? That's a test. You know, I have coffee in here, but do we have bottles of water? We don't. Great. Now we're going to imagine. Look at my cup of water. Isn't this great? <laughs> of course you do. Giselle, always prepared. Always prepared, you. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant of the Lord. This is a bottle of water provided to us by Giselle Broadhead. God bless her. <laughs> if we look at life inside the bottle, and we go like this. Inside the bottle is pure chaos. Everything inside of this bottle right now is... Someone just lost their phone. Everything inside of the bottle is chaos, it is wet, it is comfortable, it is crazy. And if I spent my time, imagine I lived on a little boat on top of the water inside of this bottle. I know, I know, this is good. This is getting really good. She said, you can't fit in the bottle though, you can't fit in there. But imagine I could, okay? So imagine I could fit in that bottle and I'm on the top and the bottle is shaking around. From inside the bottle, my life, that perspective would be chaos. But if I were to zoom out and I recognize that life what goes on inside the bottle, there's so much bigger. Like there, there, There's so much more to this context than just what's going on inside the bottle. And if I zoom out and understand that there is a creator that holds the whole bottle in his hand, then all of a sudden my perspective when, when storms come, my perspective when, when chaos arises, my, 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 my outlook when things get wet and messy, things shift. Because I understand that, that there's far more to life than what I see, what I feel, what I touch, and what I experience. It's bigger than that. And to be a Christian is to, is to begin to adopt that mindset. That, that, that there's more to life than what exists just inside the bottle. Amen? Amen. I was going to throw this to you, but I don't want to be that guy who gives you a black eye. So I'm going to pass this to Ryan, who will kindly pass this to Giselle. And this is teamwork in action. Number two, your thought life becomes different. It says in verse two of, Ecclesi or of, of Colossians chapter three, it says, Think about the things of heaven, it says. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and the real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So it speaks to this idea that, that as a Christian, when you become a Christian, your thought life becomes different. Now, some of you, you find yourself in this awkward tension because your thought life isn't all that different than it was before you became a Christian. 
And if that's your story, don't beat yourself up. This type of change often takes time. In fact, this, this type of change is a wrestle that we will often wrestle as we live out our entire life, whether you were born in, in the church and grew up in the faith or you became a Christian later in life. It says, think about things of heaven. In other words, it speaks to this idea that there needs to be this level of intentionality where we need to remind ourselves, Adam, no, you're a Christian, remember? You need to think about things of heaven, not just things of earth. It's this powerful reminder. When I think of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says God transforms us by, into a new person by changing the way that we think. You see, that transformation process is gradual and immediate all at the same time. And so there is an element when you become a Christian where, boom, now we can think new thoughts. But as we live our life and walk out this faith that we have, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that it's not okay to just go punch somebody in the face. We need to think about things of heaven too. We need to start there first. Start with that outside vantage point. So there's so much more in life than what we see and what we touch. And if that's true in my life, that means it's got to be true in my neighbor's life even though he drives me crazy. So there's this element of, of constantly reminding ourselves that, hey, our thought life needs to be different. So for Christian, you're not just a Christian because you come to church, but you're a Christian because your perspective changes. I can tell that you're a Christian because the way you think is different. Number three, your, your behaviors become different as well. In, in, in verse 5, this is, this is where things get really, really real. It says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things that are lurking within you. What beautiful language, hey? Lurking within you. I picture Frankenstein just kind of lurking inside my mind. Put to death the earthly things that are lurking within you. Have nothing to do with the sexual immorality the impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. Listen to what it says about greed. It says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. In other words, you may not see it as idolatry, but sometimes when I'm honest and I look at how bad I want a truck, I'm like, ah, this truck is becoming an idol. Because of the sins, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life, or used to do, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. And that's actually a powerful line. It speaks to this idea that God knows how you are. He knows how we're wired. He's not shocked. He gets us. He gets what makes you tick. And he gets what ticks you off. He sees it all. He said, you used to do these things, and before you were a Christian, that's one thing. But now that you're a Christian, things need to shift, bro. It says in verse 8, now is the time to get rid of anger. And we have too many angry Christians in this world. We have too many angry Christians wondering why nobody wants to become a Christian. Because I don't want to be anything like you. Ugh. That's why I don't want to become a Christian. Gosh. 
Get rid of anger. Get rid of rage. Get rid of malicious behavior, it says. Get rid of slander. We as Christians, we like to hide slander. (laughs) We don't out and out use the term, I'm slandering this person, but we do say, did you hear about (laughs) so-and-so? Wow. Get rid of dirty language, it says. And then in verse 9, he builds on this thought. He says, don't even lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So he speaks to this idea. It's like, hey, um, Christians, I got, I got some information for you that you, you need to pay attention to. When you become a Christian, like, like your behaviors need to actually become different. When you become a Christian... Your behaviors change. Notice it says you used to do these things. Some of us are stuck where that little line, you used to do these things, doesn't apply. For some of us, it's actually, you still do these things. And again, this message isn't a finger pointing message. This message is hopefully um, opening up the curtain type message. Because it's entirely possible that you've been frustrated as a Christian saying to yourself, Ugh! why? Where are you, God? Why don't I feel alive? Why don't I feel like the, the excitement of coming to church? Why, is, why do I not even like, why does the worship so bad here? I don't even want to lift my hands. Why, why, why? And what happens is we create all of these stories, all of these excuses that are actually hiding an inner inner darkness that we're not prepared to deal with. My life doesn't get better if you deal with it. Well, actually, it might. (laughs) But I can guarantee you right now, your life will get better if you deal with it. Your, your spouse's life might get better if you deal with it. Your kids will be able to see that, oh my word, look how different dad is. Look at how different mom is. You see, when we deal with these things, God isn't just like up in heaven being like, I'm gonna teach all you humans how to be lame. That's not his goal. Instead, the the purpose of trying to change and alter our behavior is actually so that we can find life, find purpose in it. So all of a sudden we can contextualize our faith so that way our faith actually matters and makes sense. Number four, verse 10. I love this verse. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In other words, it gives us kind of an equation If you do this, then that will happen. So as a Christian, it's saying, own the fact that you're a Christian. Put on your new nature. It's saying your identity becomes different when you become a Christian. Put on your new nature, and then you'll be renewed. And how do you be renewed? You be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. 
So it speaks this idea that I need to try and grow in my faith. And not just grow for Bible knowledge's sake. But what I'm actually trying to do, like the pursuit of Christianity is actually to become more like Christ. To think more like Jesus would think. Verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter. I'll reword those first sentences. As a Christian, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It says, Christ is all that matters. And, 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 and Christ lives in all of us. So he's speaking to this idea. He's like, church, you gotta pay attention to this. When you, when, when you become a Christian, your entire identity, the entire way you define and describe yourself, the way you see yourself in the mirror becomes different. And you see, we live in a culture that is obsessed with defining our identity. And we try to define ourselves by the things that we own, we try and define ourselves by the people we're attracted to. We define ourselves by the things that we've accomplished or the things that we know. But what the Bible teaches is different. And we can be so guilty of letting world thinking, cultural thinking impact biblical interpretation. To be a Christian means you put aside labels and you become one in Christ. Christ is all that matters, it says. And he lives in all of us. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Nobody's really debating that one right now. <laughs> That just, that just makes it weird in any conversation you have. It doesn't matter where you're from. Like when it comes to Christianity, like I love how one man put it. He said that the foot of the cross is level. There's no hierarchy. There's no this person's better than that person. This person's more Christian than that guy. It doesn't work like that. What unifies us is Christ, and Christ is all that matters. And so for some of you, my advice today is just, just relax. Just relax in Christ. Number five, your, your, your compassion becomes different as well. The way you see the world, the way you interact with it. Verse 12 says these words, I love it. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. What a great start. You were chosen by God. Every person in this room, whether you believe it or not, whether you, whether you, whether you believe in him or not, whether you recognize this fact, it says in verse 12, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. And for some of you, this is a, completely, a complete redirect for how you ever saw God. Some of you thought that when you came into this church today, you're going to start on fire. I used to have that thought too. 
Not about you, but about myself. But it says, so God chose you to be the holy people he loves. So you must clothe, your, clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Like, 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 like to be a Christian, this isn't like for the do-gooders. Like the do-gooders, this is actually supposed to apply to all of us. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. I don't know why we don't think that that verse applies to us sometimes. <laughs> but it speaks to this idea that we need to have grace for people. That sometimes there's going to be annoying people that are a part of your circle. And it means you should still invite them to dinner. I just looked at a light. Now I can't see anything. <laughs> just give me a minute. Awesome. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's a big deal. Some of you have been holding on to unforgiveness like a badge of honor because you feel as though if you forgive that person, they win. And so you've become a Christian and you love Jesus with all of your heart. But this idea of actually forgiving them, you haven't wrapped your mind around that yet. Because it's deep and it's big and it's real. But I want you to hear this next verse. It says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others too. It speaks to this idea that it's not actually a choice. Some of you have been living as though it's a choice. It's an option. Oh, okay, I'll forgive them maybe if they deserve it. No. It actually says that we need to forgive others. Doesn't mean we need to let them win. <laughs> doesn't mean that we need to forget them, forget it, and just give them a hug and invite them over for dinner. Not necessarily. You can have boundaries and still forgive people. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. When you become a Christian, your, your, your compassion becomes different. You begin to treat people differently because you recognize, you realize, and you remember that God treated you differently first. And when we lead and live from that posture, all of a sudden we can forgive because we remember that, whoa, all right, God forgave me. All of a sudden I can help others because I remember that God helped me. I can be kind to others because I remember that God was actually kind to me. When I was in my room saying, I don't even believe in you, I hate you. And he still wanted to use me. And he still wanted to love me. You make room for others' faults and quirks because we remember that we also have faults and quirks and God made room for us. We can love others because we remember that God first loved us. And when we just try and do, be a Christian out of sheer volunteerism, because we, we think that's what Christians are supposed to do, we're supposed to do good things, and so we just try and do good things, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get disheartened. And people are going to let you down. And the Bible doesn't promise that you won't have those things. But when we love from the posture of, I was loved by God, therefore I should show love to others, everything starts to change. And Christianity starts to look not just real for you, that's when it starts to look real for others.
And they're like, wow, there's something different about Giselle. Although you're probably always a Christian. You're very saintly. She's like, oh no, pastor. <laughs> right? There's something different about this person. I see there's something different about them. And that's why I love this church. I feel like we are making an impact in the West Shore because you guys are living out your faith at home. <laughs> you live out your faith in a way that makes people curious. And that's awesome. We're rad. Give yourself a high five. Boom. Number six, almost done. Number six. It says in verse 15, it's this idea of your inner life. Your inner life becomes different too. And verse 15 says these words. It says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace that comes from Christ. The peace doesn't come from anywhere else. When as a Christian, you can learn to find your peace from Christ. And when you let that peace rule in your heart, things come alive. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So when you become a Christian, what happens is your, your, our, our inner life becomes different. We have a peace that can surpass all understanding. That when in the middle of a cancer diagnosis, we can still have peace because we know that Jesus can do anything. In the middle of a war, you can still have peace because you know that God can do something greater than we could ever possibly imagine. You have a thankful heart as Christians also, and that thankfulness surpasses understanding too. And when the peace that comes from Christ rules in your heart, it's that peace, that posture, that peace that, that really brings life to this whole Christian thing. Verse 16 wraps up this thought, verse 16 and 17. And it speaks this idea of how, as a, as a Christian, your, your, your spiritual life becomes different too. Let me read it for you. It says, Let the message about Christ, in all its riches, richness, fill your lives. I wish that that sentence was more intuitive for all of us. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill our lives. In fact, that's my prayer, is that each of you would have a revelation of what the message of Christ really is. It's not just about going to church and it's not just about forgiveness of sin. And you don't just become a Christian to get out of jail free. <laughs> this idea, I'm going to be a Christian. What, what's the term they used to use? When I first got saved, we always used the term of fire insurance. <laughs> That's what they would say. As if, like, if I became a Christian, then if I were to die, I wouldn't go to hell, but I would go to heaven. And so, so, so many of you, you, you live your life 
as if your Christianity like will begin to actually pay real dividends like the moment you pass away. And if you're waiting to the moment that you die to contextualize your faith, you're wasting your whole life. Because to live as a Christian, you can walk in those benefits in the here and the now. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill our lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And, and, and we're doing that here. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When you live as a Christian, you are not simply a spiritual person or a religious person as the world might define you. When you live as a Christian, you are a, a Colossians 3.17. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus. So, in whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. In whatever you do or say, do it as a Christian. Don't be ashamed of that. Give thanks through, God, through him to God the Father. Because your faith not only makes a difference in you, but your faith makes a difference in others as well. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me just for a sec? I'd like to pray two prayers as we close the service. The first prayer I want to pray is for those of you in this room who, who may not have a relationship with Jesus. And the way I talked about being a Christian, this is actually, it's been, it's been news. Like, I didn't know it functioned like that. But if you wanted to have a relationship with Jesus this morning, you can do so, and it all starts with a prayer. And some of you, dare I say, Maybe this morning is the day where you want to give your life back to Jesus. You've been doing the Christian thing for years, but you haven't really been doing the Christ thing. Your Christianity has become about doing stuff, and you've somehow, somewhere along the way, lost your love for your Savior. If you would like to start or restart your relationship with Jesus today, can I ask you just to slip your hand up real quick and I'd love to pray for you. Is anybody? Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. See your hand. Anyone else in here? I don't want to rush this moment. But if you raised your hand, would you pray with me? In fact, I invite everybody. You can pray along with me too. This is a great reset kind of prayer. Jesus, Sorry, right off the top. In some ways, I don't even know what I'm apologizing for, but, but in other ways, I definitely know what I'm apologizing for. God, sorry for making this life all about me. Sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt others or hurt you or even hurt myself. Thank you that you're real. Thank you that as the pastor talked about you from, from, from the Bible this morning, there's something inside of that word that spoke to my heart. 
Thank you that, that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Would you please be my Lord and Savior? Would you please show me what that even means? Would you help me to see myself the way you see me? God, I thank you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you that you're real. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? Then we'll pray one more prayer as the band comes. I want to pray for us as a church. And that verse 15 where it says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So I pray for you. God is doing a work in you. I know it for sure. The Lord put this word on my heart for you today because God wanted to remind you that he is he's proud of you. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. But there's more to life than what we see and feel and touch. So my prayer for us as a church would be that we would have this inner peace in the Lord and that we would trust him as we walk out these days. So would you close your eyes one more time? Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you for my friends that are surrounding us. Thank you that we're not here by ourselves, even though we may have came on our own. God, this church is a picture of community, a picture of unity and a picture of diversity. Jesus, would you come alive inside of each one of our hearts and in our lives? God, show us how to be Christian moms and dads, how to be Christian parents, how to be Christian spouses. Show us how to be Christian co-workers, Christian leaders, Christian friends. God, may our faith never be something that we just do, but may our faith in you overflow into the way that we live our lives and the decisions that we make. Thank you that you're here. This, thank, this Thanksgiving, we are thankful that we can gather. We are thankful to be in your presence. And we are thankful for the plan that you have for our lives. So we give you this morning, we give you today, and we thank you for what you're doing. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.